1: I am Pastor Miracle Pettinger, and I am excited to be in the presence of the Lord on this day. I give God praise, glory, and honor for who he is and every single thing that he has done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are going to be talking about for the next couple Sundays as I come before you. prereqs, and promises. Prereqs and promises. Prereqs meaning prerequisites and promises. And we're talking about the prerequisites and the promises of God. Don't you know that God's promises also come with prerequisites? Ah, yes, the love of God may be unconditional, but his promises are not. (laughs) So we thank God because God loves us so much. That he desires for us to walk in the fullness of his promises. But in order to walk in the fullness of his promises, there are some prerequisites. God does not want us to be walking in in just half of the promise or a quarter of the promise. He wants us to walk in the fullness, the wholeness, the complete, nothing missing, nothing broken promise of God. Where there's nothing missing, nothing broken, where there is no lack, where there are no holes in your pocket. he—that's That's his desire for you. That's his good plan that brings you to a future, a hope and expected end. To walk in the fullness of who he is and his promises. But because our God is pure, because our God is holy, and his promises are pure, and his promises are holy, there are some prerequisites for us, and not only as human beings, but also as children of God who have been, re- have been made new. We've been reborn through the washing of the water and the blood of Jesus and the word of God, because our flesh, our sinful nature, cannot enjoy or experience the holiness of who our God is, nor can the our sinful nature experience the holy and pure promise of God. We see that example in the in the Old Testament with Adam and Eve. When they decided to give in to the temptation of the enemy, they entered into a place where they were no they became full of the knowledge of both good and evil. They were they stepped out of the holiness of God. Because in the garden, the provision was there. The prosperity was there. Everything they needed was already provided. The communion with the sweet Holy Spirit and the presence of God was there. And they had it 24-7. But when they stepped out into their flesh, when they stepped out of the holiness of God through disobedience, God literally had to put them out of that pure, untainted place because they themselves had become contaminated with sin. So God, he still loves them. He still has that unconditional love for them, so he made a way. He made a way back to himself to be redeemed in the name and blood of Jesus. And as we walk in that, we have to, as believers, stay in that place of redemption. How do we do that? We can stay in a place of repentance. So we can experience the prosperity of God. Lord, wash me over again. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And thought were indeed not pleasing in your sight. When God made these, this covenant promise with us, he did so knowing that sometimes we would need help. That there would be moments of more temptation that would come. And he gave us ways of escape. He gave us assistance, supernatural assistance. He gave us the help that we needed. He gave us instructions and encouragement. And we see that beginning also in Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting at verse 19. And we see, it says there in verse 19, when he was talking to the children of Israel, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. When God makes covenant, hallelujah, when God makes a covenant, he is obligated to himself to keep that covenant. He is Allah, he holds himself accountable. He made the heavens, he made the earth, and they were even witnesses to the covenant that he made and to the choices that we make. The scripture continues to say, Oh, that you would choose life. God wants you to choose life. So that you and your descendants might live. So it says, You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. If you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we being children of God, because we believe on him, we are also heirs to the promise. We are heirs to the ever a covenant. We are heirs to this promise of prosperity to this land. Now, not just the physical and, and material things, but even the spiritual, emotional, and mental health and well-being and prosperity. We, have, we are heirs to it. And I know I want to live long in a state of peace. I want to live long in a state of good health. I want to live long, both here and the hereafter, in the grace, the peace, the wisdom, and the knowledge of God and the holiness of God. I don't want to live in torment and stress and bitterness and anguish and hurt and pain and depression. I don't want to do it now, and I don't want to do it on the other side. <laughs> so where do you want to live long? Where, where do you want to live long? Ah, Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 reminds us that because this is the covenant that God made, he is a covenant-keeping God. Yes, he gave us a promise, but there's also a prerequisite to it. And it's serious. We should not take it lightly. God said even uh, to uh, the prophet Isaiah... For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water, and earth, but water the earth and bring it forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth or from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which that uh, it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Hallelujah. The King James Version in that verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me full, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God's word is sure every single promise that he made, it will come to pass. And with that, every prerequisite for that promise, he has to abide by it. Abide by it. He must uphold it. And he holds us accountable to it. So you may be saying, so preacher, teacher, what are you telling us? What is the purpose for this? How does this apply to our lives today? God is calling for us. He wants, he wants to remind you, and I want to encourage you as believers to know that God's promises are true. They will come to pass. The promises are coming to you. And with that, God is still holding you accountable to the prerequisites. If you want to experience the prosperity of God, you must repent. I don't have anything to repent for, what well, the Bible says. In First John, it talks about how we have all sinned and that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have no sin, we lie. We know not the truth. We do not the truth. We're walking in darkness. Each person has sinned. Well, I repented and I believed and I, I got saved when I was six years old. But what have you done since then? Have you lived holy, sin-free every single day? Have you not yielded to temptation every single day up until now? Somewhere along the line, because we are in this world and not of it, I guarantee you the enemy tempted you. And if you fell and did not repent, that's the thing, the hidden thing, the secret thing, the thing that the enemy has caused you to be ashamed of. That's what God wants you to repent and to give over to him. Because we need to, God is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. He is requiring holiness from us. Holiness. We can achieve holiness. We can achieve righteousness and it's not hard. It's through the name and the blood of Jesus. When you continually humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and you recognize, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. Lord, I need your help. And you choose to not only hear, but you listen attentively and you make the decision to obey. That's, and you choose to make those decisions every single day. Every single day, wake up to choose life. Every single day, wake up and choose the blessing. That's how you live in the continual state of holiness. And so when the temptations come to try to get you to sin, you have more word in you because you've been in the presence of the Lord that gives you strength so you can help, that helps helps you so you can make the decision not to sin. A sinner is someone who wakes up every day saying, how many ways can I choose to sin today? And they willingly choose to sin because they want to enjoy the temporary benefits of the sin. And the enemy makes them blind and ignorant to the long-term consequences. The enemy says, oh, it's going to feel good right now. It'll satisfy your need. It'll satisfy what you want right now. He he neglects, and he deliberately neglects to mention. By doing that, you you are uh, forfeiting the promise. You're delaying your promise. Yes, that promise will never go away. But again, you're not fulfilling a prerequisite. You're not being consistent in your faithfulness unto God, who has always been faithful to you. God's word, it shall prosper. It shall accomplish his desire. So his word and his promises, it will come to pass. And with that, God still holds us accountable to the prerequisites. And that's what brings us to the book of Zechariah. We're going to be looking at the book of Zechariah because the prophet Zechariah ministered to the children of Israel, especially those in the nation of Judah. And at that time, Judah had received many prophecies and warnings through the prophets before Zechariah came along, telling them, look, you need to stop sinning, stop worshiping these idol gods, stop forgetting the Lord your God. Look, your ancestors, your forefathers, they went through this. They disobeyed God. Don't you see what happened to them? You see where it got them? God is giving you another chance. God is giving you another opportunity to get it right. Right? But yet and still, they decided to go with what was familiar to them in their sinful nature. They wanted to fall in line with the generational curse. They chose, they willingly chose to disobey God. And because of that, they had to suffer the consequences. And the nation of Judah was then exiled and taken captive. And yet, and still, remember God's word is true. It will accomplish, and the covenant that He keeps is still true. So the same promise God gave them in Deuteronomy was the promise never went away. But the the promise was still there. But so were the prerequisites. And so, with those prerequisites still in place, God even comes along and sends Zachariah to minister to them, to encourage them, to let them know. You can still enjoy these precious promises that God has for you. You can still come into the prosperity of God, but you must repent. And during this time, the book of Zechariah records that God gave him eight visions during the night, and we're going to be looking at each one of those visions, but today we're going to just look at the call to repentance and the first vision and see how important it is that we do not neglect God, that we don't neglect his word, that we don't take advantage of it. Don't misuse and abuse God's love, God's promises, because God still holds us accountable to the prerequisites, and he will hold himself accountable to the promise. So let's start at Zechariah chapter 1, starting at verse 1. It says, in November of the second year of King Darius reign, the Lord gave this message to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the grandson of Idom. I, the Lord, was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, say to the people, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Return to me, and I will return to you says the Lord of heaven's arms. and the King James Version, and others says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. The Lord of hosts. Amen. And so return to me. God is not going to bless us regardless of our spiritual condition. God doesn't bless mess. He doesn't bless the mess. He can't. He's obligated by his word not to do so. That's why he is saying return to me. Come back to me. Repent. Why? ah, oh, Why, Lord, why? And we're going to see that here. Verse 4 says, don't be like your ancestors who would not listen or pay attention when earlier prophets said to them, this is what the Lord of the heaven's army says. Turn from your evil ways and stop all your evil practices. Where are your ancestors now? They and the prophets are long dead. So we see here even in verse 4, when the word of the Lord came through the prophets, even to the forefathers, to those ancestors, the forefathers disobeyed God. Not only did they ignore the word from the prophets as if trying to hurt the prophets, because honestly they were hurting themselves in their disobedience. So it wasn't that they were just disrespecting and disobeying the prophet, but they were disrespecting the word of the Lord, meaning God himself. They chose to willingly disobey God. To disrespect God. And in addition, spite the prophet, the messenger of God. And yet, and still they expected to walk in the blessings? to, To inherit the inheritance, the abundance that God promised even Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the Abrahamic covenant? Where are they now? They're dead! And they did didn't get to walk in the promise verse 6 goes on to say but everything I said through my servants the prophets happened to your ancestors just as I said as a result they repented and said we have received what we deserved from the Lord of hosts he has done what he said he would do God said if you choose blessed life you'll be blessed If you choose the cursing, the sin, it's going to result in death. It's going to result in decay. It's not going to work out well for you. You're not going to live long. You may live, but you're not going to live long. Ah. So even they recognized that there's truth behind this. How much longer, not only were the children of God back then, but even us as children of God now, how much longer are we going to keep ignoring the word of the Lord? And just close our ears off to everything that God keeps telling us through His prophets, through the preachers and the teachers, through the Word, through the evangelists, whichever way God sends His Word. Just because we don't like their face, or we are, we want, to, we don't feel like it. We need to take it seriously. It is a serious matter. It is a serious matter. Hallelujah. Three months later, so that was the call of repentance. We don't want to fall into that particular legacy of disobeying God. God's words always accomplish the blessing and the the, the blessing and the prosperity, but also the judgment and the conviction. It will come to pass. And so the first vision that Zechariah received, it starts here in verse 7. Three months later, on February 15th, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the grandson of Edom. In a vision during the night, I saw a man sitting on a red horse that was standing among some myrtle trees in a very small valley. Behind him were riders on red, brown, and white horses. Hallelujah. And so the red, brown, and white horses, the man riding a red horse. So first of all, The man riding a red horse, we're going to see that is indeed the angel of the Lord. Amen. And then he said there were other riders on red, brown, and white horses. So those other additional riders, they were to uh, report back to the senior rider on the red horse. And to the angel of the Lord. So that angel of the Lord had authority over the other riders. And we know red symbolizes the blood and judgment. Ah, and the and the white and the and the other horses. We know red again represents bloodshed and judgment. White represents victory. And sorrel or uh, brown, a mixture of both the red and and the white to a certain degree, that can represent both a combination of the judgment and the victory. Hallelujah. And the myrtle trees, and and let's look at this myrtle tree. The picture that you see right there behind the the words is actually a myrtle tree from Israel. And what's so important about myrtle trees? Well, let me tell you a little bit about this. Myrtle trees in themselves are associated with the Feast of Tabernacles because they were used to make the booths, and they carried a messianic blessing, and thereby thereby they uh, spoke of restoration and blessing. So there's importance to the myrtle tree. It represents blessing and restoration. They're, they usually grow in hollow places or, or valley places, and they're thought to as referred to as a low place because they are. They also grow. They don't grow exceedingly high at all. They do not grow more than eight feet tall, and they commonly have a fragrance uh, when they blossom with white blooms. And they flourish in these types of places. Even when you think it's a low place, God can make something flourish and blossom and smell good with abundance. Hallelujah. So even in that valley experience, and even the nation of Israel at that time, they were going through a valley experience. God still had a promise and had a season in which they would come where they would flourish. Oh, that's how much God loved them. Even though they, that, that particular tree doesn't get higher than the other trees, God still had a blessing and a promise for it. So even for us today, we can see, even when it looks like everybody else is prospering around us, the promise that God gave us is still going to come to pass. It may not look like what everybody else is looking like. looks like, but I guarantee you it's going to lead you to a good and expected end. It's going to prosper in the thing that God has purposed for it. Hallelujah. The dream go on to say, verse 9, I asked the angel who was talking with me, that interpreting angel, my lord, what do these horses mean? I will show you, the angel replied. The rider standing among the myrtle trees then explained, they are the ones the lord has sent out to patrol the earth. Then The other riders reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees. We have been patrolling the earth. The whole earth is at peace. Now, when these rider angels on the red, the brown, and and the white horses went out to patrol, these angelic angels, they were on a military assignment, so to speak. Hallelujah. They were out there on their, um, their military strategic assignment to patrol and monitor the earth, and especially the state of the enemy. And they were to respond to the will of God by engaging the enemy triumphantly. And when they reported back that the earth was quietly resting or at peace, what they were really saying is that we see that because the earth is at peace, the earth was also in sin, mind you they were superficially at peace or at rest because they were comfortable in their sin. And in being comfortable in their sin, they were ignorant to God. So they were not in a state of unrest, meaning that they, they were troubling the enemy. The enemy was at peace. What makes the enemy at peace? When you have fully submitted and surrendered to his agenda. So the earth, even though we know that the earth belongs to the Lord, Dominion had been given over to the enemy because of Adam and Eve, and now the people in the earth were at peace with the enemy because they were engaging in the enemy's agenda. Mm. And so that's what the writers reported back to the angel of the Lord that was at the myrtle tree. And then we see that other angel, the interpreting angel, giving this directly to Zachary, this message to Zachariah. Upon hearing this the angel of the Lord prayed this prayer. O Lord of heaven's armies, for 70 years now you have been angry with Jerusalem and the towns of Judah. How long until you show, how long until you show mercy to them? So the angel of the Lord there at the myrtle tree began to intercede for the people of Israel to God the Father, and said it's been 70 years, referring to the number of years of exile that they had been in because of their disobedience. How long, O Lord? And there was a season for their disobedience. They weren't supposed to go over a certain season, and, that, and God's going to address that with the people that were that were the instrument of his judgment, because they stepped out of the assignment of God themselves. So here is the angel of the Lord interceding to God the Father, to say, Lord, how long are you going to allow this to go on? Show your mercy, show your strength, show your love. And the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked to me. Then the angel said to me, shout this this message for all to hear. This is what the Lord of the heavens army says. My love for Jerusalem and Mount Zion is passionate and strong. But I am very angry over the other nations that are now enjoying peace and security. I was only a little angry with my people, but the nations inflicted harm on them far beyond my intentions. Basically, Jesus, God is saying, God the Father had said and spoken to them is that I recognize what's going on. And I recognize that the instrument of my judgment took advantage of the assignment and they overstayed their welcome. Oh, guess what? I am going to get them. (laughs) You don't have to worry about those enemies that seem like they're going after you over and over and over again because God will most definitely get those enemies. Verse 16 says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I have returned to show mercy to Jerusalem. My temple will be rebuilt, says the Lord of the heavens' armies, and measurements will be taken for the reconstruction of Jerusalem. Say this also. This is what the Lord of heavens' armies says. The towns of Israel will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again, Son and choose Jerusalem as his own. Don't you know mm, that in this vision, the words that Zechariah received was truly words of comfort. They were truly words of peace, because now he can let them know that the season of anguish and torment that you were going through is over. And even though your city is in ruins, The temple is in ruins. Nothing remains but the foundation. I will rebuild my temple. God wants to rebuild the temple. Hallelujah. I will, and the measurements will be taken for reconstruction of Jerusalem. Not only would the temple of the Lord inside Jerusalem be rebuilt, but the entire city would be reconstructed. He was going, he's sending restoration. He's sending prosperity. And not only that, All the towns of Israel, not only Jerusalem, but all the towns, every area of influence, all the different areas of your life, God wants it to overflow with prosperity. He wants to rebuild the broken places. He wants to restore the economies. He wants to manifest his glory because he loves us just that much. And if we choose to repent, we can welcome in. His joy, his strength, his love, his peace, the restoration of God, even the more. And now with that, God reminds us that not only did he choose Zion and Israel once before, but he has chosen them again. Don't you know God chose you? He called you by name. It's his desire to have a relationship with you. So no matter how many times you fall, God will choose you again. He's still chosen you. You are still God's precious chosen ones. He still knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He still has written every page of your life. He still knows the end before the beginning. Because he loves you just that much. And the promises of God that he says for you are still yea and amen. It will not return unto him boy. It will accomplish that which he has purposed and that which he has pleased. Which pleases him. It's not for nothing. You can never be so low where God can't plant a myrtle tree to grow in you. You can never be so low that new growth, restoration, and the prosperity of God cannot reach you. But you have to reach out to him. You have to choose to repent. And willingly choose the life and the blessing of God every single day. And as we do that, we water the word and the promises of God with his word. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank God. Because God sends us this message. He cares about us that much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I just want to remind you, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, says the Lord, but it shall accomplish that which I which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God loves evil, and He wants He has great and awesome things in store for you. Repent and prosper. God's promises are yay and amen, every single one, even if it seems like it takes 10, 20, 30 years for them to come to pass. His promises are yet in stone, yay and amen, and it will and it will come forth. Just as the promise is sure and he holds himself accountable to fulfilling the promises, he also holds us accountable to the prerequisites, so we can enjoy these promises. God loves you, and he has great and awesome things in store for you continually, continually stay in his presence. Each and every day, make that decision. Lord, I welcome you into my life, not only as my Savior, but also as my Lord. What instructions are you giving me for this day? What direction are you giving me for this day? Day, Just all you got to do is take it day by day. Sometimes we got to look at it minute by minute. <laughs> are you going to choose a love God right this the second? Are you gonna choose? Are you gonna choose love? Okay, there's there's another one. Do you? Are you gonna love God now? Okay, okay, that one went by. What about now? And as you begin to spend more time in His presence, it does become easier because it becomes a lifestyle. And when the decisions and the opportunities and the questions come, you will know the answer because the Spirit of God is on the inside of you, and He will raise up the Word of God to your remembrance to show you which way to go to guide you. And all the places that were once broken in your life, you're going to see the hand of God build and restore. Not just to enough, but to the more than enough. To that place of prosperity, to the place of overflow. In Jesus' name. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah! Amen.